episode of the What You Put With Me, Jean-Luc Wells. That's right. Clap it up. We're excited. We're making noise everywhere. We are back again with the incomparable, the incredible UFC fan and, and resident expert, TN uh, Commit. Did I say it right? Commit? Yeah, TN Commit. Brother, how you doing, man? How you doing? I'm happy to be back. Uh, I'm glad I could bring you back on the show. I'm glad you had time to be available. So again, audience, I apologize for the long break. Normally we upload episodes, you know, consistently throughout the week. You know, just handling some business, getting some stuff moved in the works, trying to make the show bigger and better. You can already see we got ourselves a brand new chair. It's a small thing, just the little things that make this show better and better as time <laughs> as time goes on. So while doing this all just for you. So please, before we start this episode, hit the like on the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions, subscribe to the channel, and share it with everybody that you know. And we're also available on all major podcasting platforms. So give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and every and every other podcast you can think of. If you can't find us there, please tell me, and I'll put my butt there so everybody can see and listen to hopefully my beautiful voice or my horrible voice, whichever one you believe I am. But Without further ado, we ain't got no time to waste. Well, this is a combat sports episode, and we are talking about UFC 280. So without further ado, it's time to step into the ring. That's right. Let's get it going. Normally, I use it for boxing, but you know what? We're going to make this a multifaceted tool for today. So UFC 280 happened. It was a phenomenal event. And one of the biggest things that happened, of course, was the main event with uh, Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Jake Paul and him fighting down the road. We're also going to, or not down the road, excuse me, fighting against UFC and combat sports legend Anderson Silva. What's going to happen? Who's going to win? Why hasn't this gotten notoriety much more as well as what we're going to talk about currently right now, Peter Yan in, in a controversial fight against Sean O'Malley. And that's what we're going to open up this whole show with. In a, in, a, in a fight that has the UFC community split down the middle, who in the world actually won this fight? Well, before we even get to that, Tien, how do you feel about this fight when you saw it? That was a great fight. I was watching it with all my buddies and, um, I, I think that was the most exciting fight of the night for me. And um, I thought it was a great fight because they both had big moments. You know, they both had big significant strikes against each other. And um, yeah, I can see why I can see uh, both ends of why you might be able to argue Peter Yan won and uh, why you might be able to argue Sean O'Malley won. And at first, when I was first watching it live and um I heard that, uh, I heard Bruce Buffer say 29-28 um, uh, Jan, and I, I was surprised that it was even a split decision. I was like, oh, I thought, I thought it was going to be unanimous. Peter Jan's going to win. And then um, it turned out being split decision, Sean O'Malley won. And uh, first, what did you think? What did you think about the decision and, the, and what did you think of the fight? Well, for me, I see, I'm, I, I'm similar to you. Or, or rather similar to what I've heard other people tell me, I can understand the discourse between why this decision is so uh, such a hot topic. Yeah. And, and like you said, what, again, again, Islam and Charles Oliveira was the most, one of the most anticipated. But this was probably, as a fight, 
the best competitive fight between the two. It was great. It was phenomenal. Again, Sean O'Malley did what Sean O'Malley does. He is the sugar show for a reason. And But I think that Peter Yan did enough to win the fight, in, in, in my estimation. And the reason why is I understand exactly why. Again, striking is one of the most basic and one of the most pivotal points in any combat sports, especially in the UFC. But the ground game, I think, is really what, in, in my opinion, gave the edge over why I think Peter Yan should have won the fight versus Oliver. I get Shane had success on the feet. Absolutely. No question about it. Again, that's why I was hotly contested. But the amount of control when Peter Yan got on the ground in the clinch, I think he did enough to get the win, at least in my estimation. But do you think this brings up, or rather, did you have something to say before I, I, I uh, move on? I would have, to, I would just have to disagree because I think that he did um, score, I think six takedowns he was credited with. And I think it was like a total of like at least um, three minutes of ground control time. Mm. You know? And um, normally, yeah, when you see that stat versus Sean's stat of like zero takedown and like less than 20 seconds of ground control, if even mm. that, you know, that, you know, is, is a little bit daunting. However, I think from the ref, how the referees were uh, judging it and scoring it was in terms of like, you know, what do you do after you get that ground control, you know? And it wasn't like Sean O'Malley was just going to, you know, sit there and take it. He did make conscientious efforts to, you know, get up, escape, break the clinches. Mm. And um, I rewatched it. I rewatched the fight once. And I was actually pretty impressed by his reaction time to some of the the shots that Pideon had um, on him. Like, I mean, like um, shooting for takedown. Yeah. Like, that's what I meant. And um, so when you look at it in that regard, then you could definitely see how they scored it, you know, for Sean O'Malley. Because as Pirion also being the number one contender for that division, I feel like it needs to be more definitive of a win. Mm. Get yeah. me? Whereas, whereas like, there, whereas, like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a there's there's been a, a fight recently where it was something similar, like a, a big contender. I think it was the Rose Namajunas fight, actually. Do you remember that where um she barely threw any punches and she won in like in her mind she was gonna win the fight by scoring a point on the takedown. Mm-hmm. She got like one takedown before the round was over. Mm-hmm. Gave it to the opponent because yeah. she's champion, you know, and they in in their in their eyes they needed to see more mm-hmm. more dominant performance to win the fight. So you know, I think it could have went either way, but when, when you when you you know look at it, I'm just saying if we're looking at it the way the, I think the refs were looking at it, I could see why they gave it to O'Malley split decision. Yeah, it's it's like um, again for me, I when you you touched on uh, dominance as you know if you're a contender, if you want to win, you know you want to win in a clear cut fashion, exactly. and, I, and, I, and I get that completely. Uh, my the, the rebuttal I would have to that though is even though Jan maybe when he got he had control and while he wasn't doing much, was it wasn't the fact that he consistently was able to put O'Malley in a position where he couldn't do anything and just hold him there without giving him any chance to really get out? Wouldn't that equate to some level of okay, I'm controlling the fight. I want like 
if he wanted it to be a slow, you, you, you know, grappling affair, he accomplished that goal wholeheartedly. Yeah. Coupled with, I mean, again, he, I, I think Sean Amato was better on the feet, but coupled with the work that he did on the feet as well, in his own right in Pideon, I don't see why that wouldn't be considered, you know, okay, hey, not only, he might have not had as flashy or as well of a stand-up game throughout the 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 the, the uh the tenure of the fight. Yeah. But that combined with his just taking him down. I see what you're saying, John Luke. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and it's and it's not even taking him down. It's the fact that he took him down and he didn't let while he didn't do anything, he didn't let Sean do anything either. So it was like I'm in control and I want to sit here. And so yeah, if we're looking at it that way, then I would agree with you. Then yeah, I think Peter Yan would have won if that's how it was being looked at. And and that's and it brings up a good point. Do you think that again, right now we're we're in one of the uh, I'll call it one of the I guess on the downside of the biggest boom in UFC's popularity, you know, out from Conor McGregor when he was consistently, you know, contending and it was bringing like loads and loads of people in. Now you're getting these state the stable um a, a more stable fan base, which is phenomenal, which is great. Well, and, and and but with that and that whole aspect of at least in my estimation, you know, Conor McGregor incredibly flashy. And the way he would finish opponents, everybody was looking for, you know, knockout, 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 or some sort of dramatic, you know, type of fight. Do you think that we've have kind of undervalued the 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 ability to consistently have ground control? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one because I think there's there's different kinds of ground control. Mm. You know, I think when you think about like, like for example, like Khabib, you know, maybe in like think about the ground control Khabib had when he fought Connor. Mm. He's just pounding him, smashing him. You know, like I think that is decisive ground control. That is indisputable in my eyes. You know. Um, but when I see, when I see people just like not, you know, fighting for positions and their skills are pretty equal. So no one is really getting ahead of each other on the ground. I think that's when it, you know, becomes boring to a lot of people. And then, you know, while that's still impressive, you know, when you think about all the technique uh-huh. and skills that have to go into that, that's when it could get undervalued. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can, I see. Yeah. I, I I see that I see that and 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 then and you know unlike see again I'm I'm not as well versed in UFC as you I'm I'm getting there I'm, I'm working to get there I'm working to get there and, uh, you're like you're you're definitely a lot better than a lot of like novice fans okay. <laughs> well I thank you I appreciate it. and I do want to be able to to you know have a deep understanding of the sport but it, from my days not days from my love of boxing. And striking, I, I do. I really do understand striking. Yes. And with striking, it's 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 the barometer of a boring fight can be, you know, pot shots or light shots versus big shots, you know, or you know somebody who's able to consistently counter versus somebody who who hurts you in the round on a consistent basis. Well, you know, you hurt me, yeah, but I landed twenty more punches. Which one should be valued more in the eyes of the judges? It's a, it's a little more. Clear cut. And, and, you know, because like 
I understand that. Like you landed more punches, but how significant are they? Are they causing damage? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it's it's a lot to factor in and account when it's scoring a fight. Yeah. And and but but I I wanted to bring it up in terms of contrasting that with grappling and and when a predominantly grappling style fight, if it's not definitive, like the big slams of sorts, it do you think that the UFC will come up with or should come up with a new way to kind of reinvent how they judge the ground game so that when you have these really technical affairs amongst, you know, high value or, or, or high ability grapplers, and it seems like it's just neck and neck, we can have a better barometer of, okay, which one or what aspects of grappling should we take heed to more? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think that the only way you could really answer that is with, the judges being well-versed in like different kinds of fighting and grappling. So like jujitsu and wrestling and, and all those different things so that they can decide on the best, the best decision or outcome for, for that type of like neck and neck where it, to the untrained eye, it just looks like they're just hugging each other. <laughs> you're not going to be able to see the technique or, or, you know, the strategy or the game plan when it, when it does just look like, you know, a lot of like, you know, grabbing each other, trying to fight for a dominant position. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I also do, I, a rule I really do like is how the, the referee in the ring can tell them to stand up if there's not enough like going on, you know? Yeah, no, that, that, that is smart. Utilized sooner. I feel like, Mm. Okay. Yeah. No, you know what? Yeah. That, that's that's a good perspective. I completely forgot about. The ref can tell them, "Hey, get up and yeah. start over, or or get active," because exactly. we ain't having this. Because ain't you ain't giving the judges nothing to score. Yeah. Exactly. What do you like to say? Because then, because then, you make the judges have to score something. And, you know, mm. and you don't want it to be like you know who landed more punches, but maybe they weren't significant, or who landed like who did more strikes on the ground. It's it's really hard to tell. Yeah. That, yeah. But that is a tough question that I, I don't know what the best answer to that would be, actually. That's a shoot. I think the well-versed refs is a, or officials is like a, a good way about it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good way. I mean, hey, maybe I'll get Dana White on here and we can, we can have that whole, oh, <laughs> uh, 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 not, not, de not debate, uh, inquiry about whether he, he, there should be an updated system. But hey, well, that's down the line. Maybe sooner than you think. Who knows? We'll find out as this show goes on. Uh, I but do really like, I do really like um, when Daniel Cormier uh, and Joe Rogan, they're um, pretty well educated on the different like types of grappling and wrestling and um, jiu-jitsu. So they are explaining while they're commentating like what they're doing. I think, I'm not sure what the uh, referees, you know, backgrounds are, hmm. but I think um, it'd be good to know like what the referees, you know, backgrounds are and how they, how they usually score fights. I, I think some of them, like I think some of the refs were mixed martial artists in some way. I don't know about who, and I don't know about how many, but I do know I remember seeing somebody. Well, did what, have a yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you, that that could also take into account that maybe they were just a fighter, and not necessarily a like specific. You know, a, I know this type of style. Hence, I know when somebody's 
dragging when somebody's actually having success. So that, you know, again, that's a conversation for Dana White on another day, if I ever get to it. Hey, maybe we have it sooner than you think. So we'll find out. But moving on to the main event as to UFC 280. Islam Makhachev versus your favorite fighter, Charles Oliveira. And let me tell you something right now. What did I, where's my, where's my soundboard? Dunkin', what did I say? What did I say? I said it. I called it. I called it. I didn't do it. You called it a while ago, too. You were right, and I was wrong. You know, um, it was it was still a good fight, though. I I, I um I enjoyed that fight, and I think um, it's really too bad that the fight before that for Oliveira, he like he, there was that whole half a pound missing weight handle. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, he won't, I don't think he gets a rematch because he wasn't champion. Well, sometimes whenever the champion loses, they do a rematch. Well, well un- understand if I remember correctly, he was stripped of the title. Yes. Get stripped of the title. So this was for the vacant uh, lightweight title. So no, you won't get an immediate rematch. No, he won't because, get Because of that. Now he will get back. Don't get it twisted. He's still number, I think he's still number one contender though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so he, I'm not, whether he'll get back into the title picture, I don't have a question. I do not have a question. He'll get his match for the title, whether it's from Makachev or anybody else, whoever holds the title by the time he gets called for a U up next, he'll go and get there. He will get there. That's not a question. But before we even get to whether he can win once he gets there. Let's talk about the fight in and of itself and why he lost that fight. And it was, and if I'm, this may sound like bragging, I don't care. This is what I said. I said when I was on the show with you, I don't, all these hotly contested fights that Charles Oliveira consistently has that makes him one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC. It is hard to sustain that level of spectacle on a consistent basis when you're always in danger. And against somebody like Charles Oliveira, I said that it was going to be, or excuse me, against somebody like like uh, Makachev, it was going to be, if you get in trouble, you may not be able to get out like you normally do. And the consistent pressure that Islam put on him, like he's been doing all these other fights, was gonna was not going to allow for Charles Oliveira to get that motor running to be able to say, okay, I can think my way out. I know exactly what I need to do because he wasn't going to have the energy. He wasn't going to have the time. And unless he was able to do a precise shot to get him off of him, it wasn't, I I didn't didn't think it was going to be enough. And it happened. And it happened. Again, I'm not I'm not rooting for him to lose. I'm not rooting. I'm not let's not get twisted. I'm not rooting for Charles Oliveira to lose. No, I love him. I love him as a fighter. I love the spectacle. I love watching him be on the brink of, of seemingly being out and then boom, coming back and just and just pulling a win out of his butt out of nowhere. It's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. But it's it's just I I think now. I think now this fight hopefully showed him, or hopefully we'll have him kind of try to want to win in dominant fashions early on. So he doesn't have to worry about these types of situations, both in the past and with the most recent loss, where he's got to try to 
pull a win out of thin air, which again, a master at doing. <laughs> a master at doing. That's why, that's why when I saw him in that uh, arm triangle, I was like, oh, he's going to get out of it. <laughs> I thought he was going to get out of it. I was like, oh, that's in there tight, but he's going to get out of it. You know what? I did too. I did too. But that, that speaks to the strength of Makachev. Because I, I didn't even think it was locked in in terms of, of, of that that securely. But it was, I think uh, Daniel Cormier said, it was, either, it was either Cormier or Rogan, one of the two. But they said, like, j just the, the the squeezing strength yeah. that Islam inherently has in him is, it's, it's, it's otherworldly. It's like, it's, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, you know, um, round one, I thought, I was trying to see if, like, Charles was employing a strategy by going on his back. Mm. And trying to bait him to get him in some sort of position. And it looked like he was trying to, but he couldn't find himself uh, or he couldn't find Slam Makachev somewhere where he could put up a meaningful submission attempt. Mm -hmm. There was one towards the end of the first round, but it wasn't, it didn't look like um, too threatening. Um, and then round two, uh, Slam hit him with like, I think like a right cross. And he fell. And I was like, oh, well, I'm used to this. Like, he's just going to wait for him down there, you know? <laughs> and what I was what I was imp most impressed by, and I think what differentiates Slam versus the previous fighters Oliveira has fought, is when he went down into Charles Oliveira guard, he did it, like, very carefully, methodically. He didn't just fall into it sloppy and, you know, try to go for the big shots like he I, I forget how he fell into it but i think he fell into it he chose to go into a half guard so that he could get that that i think it was like a a side controller a side mount to set up that arm triangle mm -hmm. and and again he was... That was his his instinct to jump on it in that fashion was very impressive and i was surprised by you know i was surprised i knew how good he was I just had questions because he hadn't faced any big time opponents yet. Uh, and, and that that that's exactly the thing I was about to touch on. It was the fact that the biggest question for Islam was going up against a champion who's faced everybody in the lightweight division is considered exactly and is considered the greatest lightweight, one of the greatest lightweights, if not the greatest lightweight that the UFC's ever had. Also, the one of the greatest submission artists that, yeah. that the UFC has ever seen. I believe he has the most submissions Absolutely. of anybody, regardless of weight class. So, so this is a man who, again, um, Islam had had a string of wins. What was it like 10 where he had submitted people? I think 10, yeah. So it was a situation where like, okay, we, we know what your preferred method of finishing is. Can you go do that against the greatest that we've ever seen? And it's the fact that he did it. And it wasn't just that he was, you know, methodical, patient, but, all, but at the same time, you know, smothering and aggressive. Again, that smart aggression that we talk about in fighters. But it was it's, it's the fact that he made it seem easier than it should have been. That's true. He he really did. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I was a bit surprised. I thought... I was a bit surprised to see Charles Oliveira like actually tap out. I thought 
you know, he was going to go to sleep before he was going to tap out. I know. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it when he tapped. Because I was like, wait a minute. No, this, this, I, I, he's in trouble, yes. But he, he's not going to tap out. You know, he's going to, and I saw him try to get out at first. And maybe he was just thinking in his head, like, I could try to get out or I could, um, I could just be done with this now. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been in that type of position. I would never know what it's like. You know, who knows what's going on in his head at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, you, you, you don't, again, we're not knocking him for tap. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's get, let's get it twisted. I'm no Charles Oliveira. The second anyone like that has their arms around my neck, I'm going to tap right away. So no, I'm not knocking anybody for tapping in the UFC. That's not what we are saying at all. What we're simply saying is, who Charles Oliveira is and him having to tap out shows just how strong and how gifted Islam is. And, and, and with not nearly as much experience, this man has, has for some people say it's a, it was a crown that he was just destined to get. Mm -hmm. I just say that he was just too young and he was just a prodigy that was just going to be, you know, the the quote-unquote old dog is going to show him how it's really done whatever mm -hmm. way you looked at it it showed that this brother is something different the reason why and now i'm starting to buy into the fact first i would you know it could it could be hype and i got the grappling ability was incredible but now i'm really buying into oh this man could be the next khabib Nurmagomedov. in all actuality and, and it's 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 the rise is incredible Charles Oliveira will come back. That's not even a question. But with him right now out the way, the biggest match that we had to look forward to is Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. The current, in many people's eyes, pound for pound, best fighter in the entire world. In a unification bout for, well, what is it? Is, is, is he, is he uh, putting his title on the line to uh, Volkanovsky? Yeah, he's putting pound for pound, lightweight and uh, featherweight are all all up for grabs. <laughs> Gosh, that is that 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 like I'm not gonna lie, that's a super fight. That is a huge fight. That is that uh, is a. I'm not sure how that works though. I'm not sure if Slam is gonna have to come down to 145 and fight there, or if he's gonna come up to 155 for both belts on the line. I'm not sure how that works. From, from what I understand, Volkanovski's moving up. So Volkanovski's moving up to 55. Okay. And, and if you saw him when in their face-off in the ring, yeah, the post in the octagon, Volkanovski already looks like he's, you know, close to that weight, not oh, in the battle. Yeah. He was um gonna be the replacement fight if either of them missed weight. So, so his body looks like it can more than handle the extra weight and the extra muscle. In fact, some people no, say he's a, a huge featherweight. He is that that, that man is big. He's a big featherweight. Huge. Yeah. Like it, it makes no sense. And couple that and see he is a gifted athlete with all the technical abilities. And him going up against Islam. That's an is, interesting fight. It's a it's an incredibly interesting fight. Because now it's it's is it going to be a situation where Islam's one of the hardest people to take down to me in the entire UFC, like 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 bar none, 
this yeah. man's it, it's just his lower body strength and just is not coupled with his incredible grappling IQ is is phenomenal. But with him going up against Volkanovski, I think the uphill battle is going to be can Volkanovski be able to stand strength for strength wise against somebody like Islam? Or is it going to be a situation where it's just going to be way too much for him to be able to handle? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, did you watch the uh, the Brian Ortega fight with Alexander Volkanovsky? I, I believe I did. I was incredibly impressed. That was actually the first full fight I got to see of him. And yeah. I was like, okay, now I see why. Brian Ortega had him, had him twice with those submissions. I thought mm-hmm. it was over for him, and he got out of them. You know, and Brian Ortega is no, no nothing to scoff at. He's one of the top submission artists up there with Oliveira. Mm-hmm. He's like a, one of those jujitsu guys. But so it's tough to tell. I mean, I think I do think that Alexander Volkanovsky's frame is a lot different than Charles Oliveira's. You know, Charles Oliveira has long limbs, and um, Volkanovsky has like shorter limbs, and he's definitely like just built differently, like a, like a strong, bulkier type of guy is what it looks like to me. And I think that'll be interesting because I think Charles was easy, would it be easier to keep on the ground rather than Volkanovski because they have different builds. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel that, but as a counter-argument, with Islam being in this fight taller that is also Volkanovski, yeah. And with, I believe, with the reach advantage, too. Yep. That could lead to, like, a whole nother plethora of grappling opportunities. Yeah. That wasn't never been available to him for the majority of his career. Because he's just just taller. Like, like, I I don't think, I've never seen a fight where Islam is the bigger man. Now we're seeing a fight where he is, like, both in height and and weight. Yeah. And I I would believe strength. The bigger guy who relies, again, uh, again, I'm not saying his game is only dictated on strength, but it is enhanced by how naturally strong he is. So could we see a situation where we may see Volkanovsky legitimately get manhandled with how, you know, blasphemous that may sound? Do you think we could actually see something like that happen? Oh, man, it is... It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. I mean, I the last Volkanovski fight I saw was against Max Holloway, their third fight, and he was just assaulting that guy. It was it was a very one sided fight, um, and he looked sharp. His technique, his mm. timing, everything like he was just looking a step ahead of Max Holloway. And I think you know if he comes into the fight with that precision, it's gonna be a lot in his favor. It's it's too tough to it's too tough for me to tell right now. I can't say definitively either one. It's it's tough to tell. You know, I think I actually thought that Volkanovski would have been a good uh draw for Charles Oliveira too. I think that would have been a good fight. Because well, if Oliveira beat Islam, that would make sense too. Oh yeah, no, again, complete sense and, and un under, understandable. That would have been a phenomenal fight. And I'm glad you brought up Max Holloway versus Volkanovski. Because that is the other side of the spectrum. As good 
as Islam is grappling. Volkanovsky took, who was at one point in time considered the best striker yeah. in the in the division. Yeah. And 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 who called himself the best boxer in the division, one of the greatest, you know, highlights of him just who was it? Who was it? He just he just destroyed um in the uh-huh. ring. He didn't knock him out, but he just went and just absolutely yeah. like hard, stiff shots. He punched, he, he jabbed him to his side. He did what Roy Jones did in his career. Jabbed I know the moment you're talking about. And you know you you know the fight I'm talking about. Back moment, yeah. I, I I just I can't think of the guy he was going up against. I don't know why. I highlight like once every few weeks on my on my social media. Yeah, so. it's it's there. And again, and that's not him outclassing, you know, some bump. Nah. No. I, I I can't remember the name, but the brother who is Max Holloway, he fights the top of the food chain guys. He doesn't fight any any like, you know, bottom of the barrel. Exactly. And for him, with his ability of striking, to be able to to, to get whopped by Volkanovski, he had a bad he, cut too, a real. It, deep was, cut it was more than cuts. He, he was he was demoralized. Yeah. As as much as he wanted to consistently keep, you know, the fire and drive, and you know, keep wanting to fight, you saw it in his face that man, I'm I'm just this this brother's just eating me alive, right now. And so for, for him to go and fight against Islam, he could, we could see him, you know, on the other side of the coin, if I'm saying Islam can, can potentially manhandle Volkanovsky, we could see Volkanovsky just absolutely pummel uh, um, Islam on striking him. Because, you know, if you look at it in that regard too, like you were saying earlier, Max Holloway was a lot taller and a lot longer reach than Volkanovsky too. Mm-hmm. Um, they weighed about the same, and and I think, um, but still, you know, that is, you have to take that into account. Again, you're looking at the situation. Reach is really, really important. Arms and arms and legs. You it know? is reach and height are are incredibly uh, reach and height have their um, strengths and weaknesses depending on which side of the spectrum that you're on. Again, strengths and weaknesses in both sides. But if you look at track record just in fighting history. If it's it, when you get somebody who is, if you're normally fighting tall all your life, fighting gets tall all your life, and now you get in a situation where somebody's in figurative, figuratively and literally within your reach and mm-hmm. within your range, that opens up a whole new avenue of striking opportunities that weren't available. If you look at Mike Tyson, the way the way he fought taller fighters versus when he fought people like. Peter McNeely and, and other fighters who, again, they were taller than him, but on the smaller spectrum of tall and closer to his height and reach, it, it, look at what he did. And it, and it wasn't just because his technique was just so much out there. It was also who he was going up against allowed for opportunities that weren't available. And with Volkanovsky, even though he's still the smaller guy, Islam, if you watch, well, of course you watched the fight with Charles Oliveira. We just talked about it. What this dumb question? But when you watch that fight, you saw him, you know, landing on Charles Oliveira, who again is is a good striker as well. Who I, who I was really scared for was going to give him an unsuspecting knee. Yeah, he just put out the fight. I was like, the fact that he didn't let that happen, incredible in and of itself. But 
when you saw it and you saw he was punching, this man was willing to stand and bank. He was. He was willing to stay like he when he he could have kept going to the ground, but if when Charles Oliveira wanted to fight standing up, he didn't necessarily go and look for the takedown immediately after. The brother went and, and, and was catching him on a consistent basis. Oh yeah, that's what that's what that's what got him uh down on the ground when he jumped into his guard. He hit him with like a, a, a right cross and exactly and 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 but again, while that was a a, a good thing in that fight. In this fight, that could be a bad thing because his willingness to want to stand and say, okay, if we're going to go, we're going to go, could be a detriment because Volkanovski, as a striker, has some incredibly crisp, tight punches yeah. that will always be, and again, this is why, as a person who watches boxing, his punches will be Islam's punches if they're just throwing and they're just standing yeah. and banging because Volkanovsky's technique as a striker, it is compact and straightforward and everything is just like you would want a boxer to do, which is you strike fast, you strike down the middle, don't give a big tail to your strikes and then you go right back. It allows for the ability not only to consistently have your hands back up to defend, but also the, the amount of punch you can throw in a given point in time is a lot quicker when the traveling time is again down and back immediately even in um islam's win and when he knocked down and caught Oliveira in in his championship winning fight he was looping some of those shots he was looping some of those shots some shots that in all actuality didn't need to be looped around he could have gone straight down the middle not saying his technique is bad, but I do understand that Volkanovski's is a ton better. So, how do you feel about that whole situation? I it's I mean like it could go either way. I it's I, it's hard for me to tell right now. I think um, I think if I was going to bet on it, I would have to see what the <laughs> what the lines are, and it might be one of those situations where like the 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 odds are so good for Volkanovski, you should just bet on him, you know, because we know how good he is, you know, but it's tough to tell right now, man. I can't say definitively. I I would probably have to like maybe watch a little bit more of their previous fights and think about it. But what do you think? I mean, I'll predict it right now. I don't think it's, 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 it's not ending in decision. I know that for a fact. You would make it to a decision either. No, I can. Okay, I can say that. Yeah, I think I don't think it would go to the distance. Mm, no, the way the way these two fight, these people are. But something uh, else is um. I I just remembered. I saw like in an interview with that Islam Makachev was doing before the Charles Oliver fight. Mm. He said that his plan was to defend the title a few times. I think he said three or four times, and then move up to uh welterweight that was what that was his plan oh now that would be interesting yeah that would be interesting because welterweight is is like is a little bit up in the air right now you know with the edwards Usman rematch yep. and then also what's going on with kamzat chemaev and then the other uh people like covington waiting for you know if, if edwards wins again so it is interesting to see because what if we have that situation Let's say hypothetically, um, oh wow. Let's say hypothetically Islam beats uh, 
Volkanovsky. Uh-huh. And uh, he defends a few more times. And then he goes up to welterweight. And then he takes three belts. <laughs> this, 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 that this. Would be the first ever. That, do you, like, that would be cool. Right. cool. Crazy. Yeah, that no, that'll be more than crazy. That'll be more than crazy. Who was oh, it? Yeah. That was a was it was it Ezra Charles or was it Henry Armstrong? Well, I think it was Henry Armstrong. But Henry, I, yeah, I believe it was Henry Armstrong. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But I, I, I believe it was Henry Armstrong. Is a boxer who, in like the UFC, when there was only one champ, and in every weight class. The man won three titles out of the eight weight classes that were like around, wow. and, and and defended all three. That's it. that's the thing. And so, if Islam Makachev is able to become a three division champion and defend every belt, do you like we we're talking about? I'm not gonna lie. If that does happen, talking about. Greatest of all time. <laughs> we're we're having that conversation. Beat around the bush. Of course, we're talking about great. We're, we're having that conversation. We're having that conversation quicker than I will think. Quicker than I think we've ever had that conversation with it's any UFC fight. fighter. You know, and um, <clears throat> that I think, yeah, you you can't deny that. If he if that is what he went and did, you can't deny that. That's undeniable. <laughs> what if he what that would be crazy if this brother went to middleweight. That would be crazy. And, you know, imagine he went. Imagine he went to middleweight and he beat like, like, honestly, whoever is the champion is like very deserving in my eyes. At, at or welterweight, my bad, welterweight. Anyone, any, everyone that could ha- have that title. So from Covington, Edwards, Usman, Chamayev, they're all. I think they're all well deserving. Any of and a win over any of those four men would be like. <laughs> It'll be incredible. Yeah. It would be, now again, again with that we we're, we're hyping up again because this is like you know it's a frenzy right now of the the possibilities that we could be seeing down the line. But if we base if we back up a little bit, we do have to understand that the one thing about moving up in weight, if he does want to move up, about to weight, does the power. Carry. That's one of the biggest things that in combat sports is harder. I think. Yeah. But see, what see, you think that? But let's not forget. Again, I'll go back to Roy Jones Jr. Again, Char, uh, Henry Armstrong is a completely different animal, regardless of what sport you're talking about, to be able to go three weight classes and continue to stay dominant. That's a special breed. And you're saying that as it goes up, it gets less. And no, as it goes up, it gets more dangerous. More dangerous. Yeah. Look, if you look at Canelo Alvarez, the brother may have been stronger when he moved up to when he went to fight B- Dimitri Bebo at light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. He's above 168 pounds, which again, where I think he's best comfortable at. And while he had more power and was stronger, he couldn't slip, he couldn't move around the ring like he wanted to. Head movement was slow, and by round like six, he couldn't. He wasn't able to actively, you know, slip shots like we know he's able to do. So while you garner up one thing, everything else about your game can potentially get decreased. If you want another uh, uh, example, Deontay Wilder, the one yeah. thing that he, the one thing that makes him so dominant as a boxer, it's not his technique. It'll never be his technique because the brother wow. is. 
He is one of, as a technical boxer, he's one of the worst champions that I've ever seen. Imagine if he wasn't, though. Imagine if he just had some technique. That'd be something scary. Look, if you, if you, hey, quick plug. If you go watch my video on Wilder's comeback, I said that he, if he showed even, if he shows even an ounce of progression in his ability to be technical as a boxer, just hone the basics, get a grasp of the basics in a better way, or he can be undisputed without question. He can knock out Usyk, Tyson Fury, AJ, and anybody else in the heavyweight division, and can rank. I said that. I, 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 at minimum, I said he can get it. At, at best, I said he can rank with just because of his athletic ability. But again, his athletic ability is best when it's at 115 to 110 pounds, that range. Or rather, excuse me, 110 to 120. That is his sweet spot. When he tried to put on muscle for Tyson Fury, he got knocked out twice. When it went, as opposed to when he fought him the first time, he fought him to a draw. Mm-hmm. Because even though he's not technical, he doesn't have the best stamina. He's got better stamina to be able to carry that level of power yeah. because he's so slim. And when he tried to usurp that, you know, oh, I couldn't put him out, so let me put even more muscle to make this right hand even more effective. Yeah, it was more effective. It knocked him down, What uh, I, I believe, a, a, a total of three times in their outcomes, which is incredible in their trilogy of fights. But it sacrificed any agility that he had left, a good bit of his speed that made his right hand so hard to actually evade at heavyweight, and made it so that now his already bad technique was even more exacerbated. Yeah, you know, you, a lot you got to take into account when you're going up weight. And so that, and so with that, we put that on Islam or even um, Volkanovski if he chooses to move up. Any one of them, if they go to welterweight, the question's going to be how much are they going to lose as opposed to what are they going to gain physically? Because they'll gain more strength and stability. But is it going to be stamina? Is that going to be a factor? Is he? Is it going to be that? Again, we're talking about the welterweight division. We're talking about Covington. We're talking about Jorge Masvidal. We're talking about Kamara Usman. Talking about Leon Edwards. We're talking about people that can crack. Can his chin take the 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 the, the power that's the going to come? Physique and stamina and just natural. You know, that's a that's a big question. That's the thing, because because even because. As much as we can say he himself is going to be better, he's also his body now has to take on the elevated impact of every little attack and from the opposing opponents. Being honest, if you're going to go about doing that the right way, it's not like a quick change to change your body the right way, you know, and like to keep that stamina, keep that speed while having that extra weight and muscle. That's you can't. It's not like an overnight thing and. That's what leads to a lot of people doing PEDs too, is when they have to make those changes up or down. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, and it's, it's not in the, 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 the problem with this is, is that it's not even about if you do it the right way. While it is, in fact, effective, you can move up safely and effectively. But it's the fact that once you get in the ring, that's when stuff, it, 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 it hits everybody differently. How they fare once they actually move up, even if they, even if leading up to everything, they're, they're every the camp was great, health is a okay, 
when you actually get in that ring and you got to go through fight fatigue, not training fatigue, fight fatigue, where you're, yeah. where you're exactly where you're both mentally and physically getting wore down. It can be different and it affects fighters to a point that you think you're going in fine and boom, all of a sudden now you're, you're winded by round three in a championship fight and you're like, wait a minute, this wasn't like this in camp. It wasn't like this in camp at all. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and so and th that's why I'm scared for it. Like John Jones, he's moving at the heavyweight. That, that I could, I, we got to talk about that another time. I, I, I've been keeping an eye on him. He's, he is one of my favorite to watch. And uh, that is real interesting, him going up the heavyweight. That's in fact, you know what? We'll say that for another show. If you, you can give you a quick preview of what I, you want to uh, say. I, I follow him on social, on Instagram. Hmm. And, um, oh boy, he looks like, he looks like, so since he's been suspended, he's had a lot of time to like, I think what I was just telling you about, do this correctly. Uh -huh. It looks like he has put on that weight. I think slowing down a little bit is inevitable once you put on, you know, all that weight, but it looks like he's still very agile, technical, and just his self in a bigger body, a little bit slower. We'll have to see. Um, he doesn't post too much though. So like, I don't know what he, like last time I saw, last post I saw was like a few months ago. Who knows what he, what he's looking like now, you know, it's going to be interesting to see his comeback. I'm really excited for it. It's going to be incredibly interesting. And, and man, I would, boy, and I, I wonder who his opponent's going to be. That's what? another huge thing because um, there's no guarantee that Francis Ngannou's coming back. His contract is over. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Don't, don't, don't bet on not seeing Jones versus Ngannou. That would be one for the ages, man. I, I would love, dude, I would love to see that. Believe me, but I don't know if that's going to happen. He, I don't think he's going to, I don't think Francis Ngannou wants to sign another UFC contract. I think he might one fight right now is with him and Tyson Fury. I think that was no stop, 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 stop it. I'm sick of people bringing up Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is fighting Derek Chisora. The after that, if Tyson Fury doesn't actually retire, he is gonna fight Usyk. Or, no you think there's no way he fights Ngannou? There is not an on on until he relinquishes his WB. Was it is it BO or BC? Unless until he relinquishes either the WBO or WBC belt, until he gives up that title, there's no way he fights. Ngannou. He is not fighting Francis Ngannou. Do you no. think? Why, wait, why is that? Because of the fact that he, you got to understand, one undisputed is still on the horizon, and so you can still get a big payday from that. Two, AJ Tyson Fury max nine figures or minimum nine figure fight that, that that can potentially happen undisputed fight between him and Usyk after he beats he doesn't, he doesn't need francis and ganu he doesn't need francis him who really wants to fight him I think. And, and 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 it's because of the fact that francis and ganu is is in that minute tier of mma fighters and ufc fighters that, that have the, exactly and and there are a cross promotional yeah. you know that was the huge that's a great that you that a huge thing with mcgregor is whenever they the build up to that floyd fight he made sure dana dana white made sure to go with him so that whenever you see connor you see ufc uh -huh. and and and, and, and it's it's, even more and it and, worked and, it, and it's because of the fact that while the ufc is gaining more popularity well right now in in the states in the states 
while the UFC is incredibly popular, I mean, dumb popular, overseas, they can sell, and they're popular overseas too, but it's not where boxing is. Boxing, Derek Chisora and Tyson Fury is happening for the third time. Tyson Fury has already knocked out this man twice. There's no good reason. No real reason for there, it. There, there's, again, boxing politics have made this. If boxing politics was like the UFC, or rather they had just one president, and I've talked about this previously, but if they had just had one president like Dana White, no problem. Stuff is happening, and we're good, and they're fine, and the fights that we want to see are going to happen. But even though that's not the case, even though Derek Chisora has been knocked out and beaten by Tyson Fury two or three times already. I want to make a five-round series, man. <laughs> they can still get, he can still get in that fight that nobody wants to see upwards of 20 million. That's, and, that's a, and that's a fight nobody wants to see. Yeah. Imagine a fight everyone wants to see. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why I'm saying right now, Tyson Fury has made a bunch of noise and calling out everybody left, right, and center. Don't mark on him fighting Francis Ngannou. If more so, I'll put my wounds. Again, yeah, put your stock in that. Because despite what everybody wants to see, one, Francis Ngannou has no business in the boxing ring with Tyson Fury. He will die, and I don't care how strong he is. The, the, he, won't, he will not last three rounds. Or even, or if he does go by three rounds, he won't be able to continue by round six because of the fact that he will be winded. There has not been a UFC fighter that I've seen outside of Anderson Silva, outside of Anderson Silva, that has actively been able to transition to boxing and be able to be conditioned enough to be able to actually produce. I remember the Connor fight. Connor started gassing out. About halfway through. About halfway through. That was when that was when he started losing. He was doing great up until and, that. And, when he started losing. and you had to understand that was with Floyd Mayweather on the tail end of his career, where where he is not. This man is not a big threat to knock you out. He does not put his weight on you. This is a defensive fighter. Exactly. And you got winded from him. Don't let somebody who's willing to come forward for from round one. Yeah. <laughs> Get at get at you. Now you you because now once you get on the back burner, what's gonna happen? You gonna you gonna start backpedaling, and it's not gonna be a and it's gonna be a thing where hey, I don't me as a boxer, I don't have to worry. I don't worry about kicks and strikes and all that stuff. You do, mm -hmm. and like we saw with Tyron Woodley, some of those tendencies of how you were blocked can can show up and I can exploit. And because of muscle memory, you're gonna do something that's actually gonna be a hindrance to you. So now you're trying to fight mentally, getting out of that frame of mind, while also if somebody's aggressive, now you're moving around a big a, a big ring where you can get clinched on and get leaned up on. And instead of you having a break or being able to go on the ground and compose yourself and kind of take a breather, uh-uh, you still gotta stay up and, and, and keep on yeah, exactly. So it's 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 that's why I don't want to see that happen. Up until I see that Tyson Fury relinquishes the belt is, and is actively done. Because yeah. if he's still entertaining these fights with 
um um uh with 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 Usyk, AJ, or even a fourth fight with Wilder if Wilder wins his title elimination um series against Andy Ruiz. Don't 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 count on it happening. Don't count on it happening at all. Do not trust me. Do not. But any 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 other thoughts on John Jones or Francis Ngannou before we move on to the last topic of the day? Not off the top of my head. All right, all right. Well, all I know is I want to see that fight, both of them, in terms of Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, and like we said previously, Bokanasi versus Makachev. Yeah. And then we'll, and what happens with Makachev after? Exactly. Yeah. Or Volkanovski, whoever, whoever, exactly. wins, whoever wins this fight, is 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 wow. on the line. There's a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, not only for their immediate legacy, but what you could potentially accomplish. It's incredible. But to end off the show, and I wish we had more time to talk about this, because my goodness, I oh, oh I, <laughs> I gotta I have some qualms. But Jake Paul versus Anderson Silver is happening tomorrow. Wow. And, yeah, it's happening. It's, I believe I believe they just had their final weigh in. You see that happening? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's happening tomorrow. It's happening tomorrow. I believe it's happening tomorrow. Or we'll say coming up just to be on the safe side. It's soon, soon and present. It's happening. And uh, Jake Paul, 4 0, I believe, or 5 0, 4 knockouts, or 4 0 with three knockouts, whatever the case would be. Whatever, whatever. undefeated. Anderson Silver, 3 1 with, uh, I believe, two knockouts. Now he's fully into the whole boxing regime, boxing scheme, as well as on a, on a similar entry level. In terms of when they got into the sport as Jake Paul. So what do you think is gonna happen with this boxing event? Um oof. you know, I think the age discrepancy is really uh notable. So like Anderson Silva is one of the greatest of all time, UFC, hands down. It's just I, I would have a hard time betting on him just because of how much older he is than Jake Paul. I mean, like, I think he's a lot more skilled. You know, I just think he's, I just think he's too old to be fighting someone that much younger. Um, I would like to see Anderson Silva win. I don't love Jake Paul, but uh, I don't, I don't know if I would bet on it. Wait a minute. Are you so, so you're, so, oh, wait, hold on. So you're not, you're, so, so let's not even get in that, that, Anderson Silva is the greatest striker in UFC history, in my estimation. I agree. Like, are, are we? Are you overglossing the fact that Anderson Silva, as a boxer, is legitimately adept? He has everything that Jake Paul does not have: legitimate technique, uh, uh, an adaptable game plan, length and speed, stamina. That's stamina. I don't even have to say anything else. Stamina, stamina, stamina. The brother can legitimately go for longer than three rounds without getting tired. He still looks good, you think? Have you seen in his recent fights, yeah? Are you kidding me? Yes, he does. This man is doing, he's throwing combinations. He's mixing up how his, uh, his speed of attack. He's able to fight off the ropes. He will legitimately turn you around. If he's in trouble, he will slip. He will counter. He will step. He will do, he, he again, mind you, this is the, against competition of Jake Paul's level. He is a lot better. And as a fighting mind, Jake Paul's never fought somebody like 
Anderson Silva. Never. Anderson Silva is so good that even though he's not a boxer, the tactics and, and, and the way he thinks it translates so well to boxing that if he went to being a boxer in his prime, he could he could have become a world champion easily. Easily. So that on Silva, you think? Easily. Yes. Okay. I've said I've said again, I don't bet, but if I did, I've been saying don't I've been saying I've bet on the opposing fighters for Jake Paul. Outside of the whole Nate Robinson mess. Yeah. That wasn't even a fight. That buddy didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> That was that, whoever trained him is utterly stupid. But I've been saying, if somebody just did the basic stuff to Jake Paul, Jake Paul would get knocked out. Tyron Woodley couldn't do it both times. He wasn't aggressive. He still he could have attacked. He he had more in the tank on both occasions mm-hmm. than Jake Paul. Because Jake Paul's technique that he, the little technique that he had, got sloppy by round one. Now, again, I'm not saying Jake Paul cannot fight. No, he's shown he has legitimate skill and is a legitimate threat in certain situations. And a certain situation is when he's throwing that right hand. Outside of that, his IQ coupled with, uh, as opposed to Anson Silva, his speed as opposed to Anson Silva, his, his, his ring generalship, his ability to adapt, his defense, all of that is nothing compared to what Anson Silva actually brings to the ring. And what I've seen him doing, not only in his last couple fights, but in training as well. The man is built to be a boxer. And this man, he's coming in all nice. And he hasn't, that's why he hasn't gotten a lot of fanfare. Because he's coming in nice. But he will kill Jake Paul. He can. And I'm banking on that he will. I believe it. Uh, uh, it, it better happen. UFC World's going to be in fits if it don't. But my goodness, they're going to be in shambles. But this has been another episode of the World Report. I've been your host, John Luke Welch. TN Commit, thank you for coming on. Love you so much. Can't wait to have you on again. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you are. So, leave a like on the video, share with everybody you know, subscribe to the channel, and we're going to head out of here. Peace and love. We out of here.